This morning we are going to be looking at a couple of little stories following the resurrection of Jesus in John chapter 20 and 21. And so if you would take out your Bible and and turn there, or if you uh, need one of the Bibles in the the chairs in front of you, uh, it's on page 775. Um, and we're going to be, I'm going to be going through those sections and they're fairly long sections. So some of the scriptures are going to be up on the screen, but uh, if you want to follow along in your Bibles, that's going to be a good way to do it. And, and just as a little bit of, of setup, Jesus has been doing lots of things, right? He's, he's been walking around, he's been teaching, he's been healing people, he's been casting out demons, he's been restoring sight to people who were blind, helping lame, lame people to walk. He's been teaching people about what it means to be in the kingdom of God and that they ought to repent of their sin and turn and be reconciled to God. And he's been saying all of these things and as he's been doing this, he's been making quite a commotion, And it seems like everywhere he goes, lots of people are flocking to him to uh, see him, to hear him, because he teaches like one they've never heard teach before, like somebody who has this authority that they've never, they've never heard that kind of authority before. And he's been doing these things that they've never seen before. And so people are just flocking to him to see what is he going to do this time? Is he going to feed everybody again? Is he going to heal somebody again? What, What crazy thing is this Jesus going to do? And the more this he does, the more people are convinced, this is the guy. This is that anointed one, that chosen one of God that has been promised for all those years through the prophets that would come and restore God's people. He's the guy. And the Jewish leaders at that time were, were listening and hearing this stuff and seeing what was going on. And they, they were thinking, this, something is not right about this. This is not what we were expecting this isn't the way that we were thinking that it would come. And, and he's got a lot of people following him. And they they're, they're just see, seem to be going off and doing their, their thing. And, and uh, now he's starting to criticize us and the way that we're doing things. And th- this is not right. And so they took him and they put him on trial... And they turned him over to the Romans and they said, this guy is claiming to be God. And according to our laws, when someone claims to be God himself who has come, they should die. And the Romans said, that's not our business, that's your business. They said, we're not allowed to kill anybody, so you're going to have to do it. And the Romans went... He's just teaching stuff and doing all this stuff. We don't see a problem. We don't think he's done anything wrong. And the the leaders of, of the Jews said, no, no, no. He must die. He has claimed to be God. He must die. And when this happened, all of his disciples who'd been following along fled and abandoned him. Because they thought they knew what was going on. They thought this was that anointed one, that chosen one. But now the Jewish leaders have turned against him and have handed him over to the Romans and the Romans are going to kill him. Now, you know when you're sitting in a movie that you've seen before, but somebody who hasn't seen it before and you warned them? Kate, this is the scary part, but it's going to be okay. My kids get very nervous. 
It doesn't take very scary parts for my kids to be very nervous. It's going to be okay. It, and you're just sitting there and you're just holding them. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be okay. Here's what's going to happen. I've seen the movie before. I know what's going to happen and it's going to look very bad and then it's going to turn out okay and he's going to be okay. And the kids are just really nervous and then it happens and they are covering their eyes and leaving the room and they're crying because even though you told them, look, it's going to look very scary, then when it did look very scary, they were scared. Jesus did the same thing with his disciples. He was telling his disciples, look, what's going to happen is we're going to go to Jerusalem and one of you is going to betray me and hand me over to the leaders of the Jews who are then going to turn me over to the Romans who are going to kill me. But don't worry because three days later I'm going to rise from the dead. And the disciples went, what do you think he means by that? What kind of a parable is this, do you think? And Jesus went, no, guys, literally, we're going to go into Jerusalem. One of you is going to betray me. They're going to hand me over to the Jews who are going to hand me over to the Romans who are going to kill me. But don't worry, because I'm going to rise again from the dead and then we'll be okay. And the disciples went, yeah, no, that's not how it's going to happen. And Jesus said, yeah, that's how it's going to happen. And they went in, you remember Palm Sunday, they went in celebrating into Jerusalem, everybody singing, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And the disciples are going, yeah, which of us is going to be at your right hand when you take over this kingdom? And Jesus is going, no, guys, that's not how this is going to go, because remember with the whole death thing. And they're celebrating, yeah, Jesus is coming. And they're going into to Jerusalem. And Jesus goes into Jerusalem and he looks around the temple and he criticizes everybody and he stops them from selling things in the temple and goes, this is supposed to be a house of prayer. And the Jews get really mad. And then Jesus has the last supper with his disciples and he's telling them, look, right now, this is the time, guys, one of you is going to betray me. And Judas is going... Yeah, there's, I'm not real fond of the things that are going on here. And so Judas goes out to betray him and Jesus is going with the disciples. Guys, pray with me because this is about to happen. And they fall asleep because, you know, they don't get it. And they're tired. Which I get that. Tired and wanting to sleep. And Jesus is going, okay, it's time, guys. And here comes Judas with the leaders of the Jews. And the Roman soldiers, and they come to arrest Jesus, and the disciples are going, it's time to defend Jesus! And they pull out swords, and they're ready to fight, and Jesus goes, no, that's not how this is going to go. And they all ran away. And they circle back around, and the, the, the women come, come by later, and, and they're looking, and they see Him crucified on the cross, and they're just going, what is this? Because even though Jesus had told them, look, the scary part is coming. When the scary part came, it was scary. And they thought He was going to be the one who would restore all things. And instead, there He is on the cross and He's dead. And they take Him down and they put Him in the tomb and they bury Him. And that's where we 
find ourselves right now as we get into John chapter 20. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They've taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb, both of them running together. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb, and he saw those linen cloths lying there. And the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the other cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. And then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in and saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. Mary Magdalene, she, Jesus had, had been doing his teaching, preaching, um, uh, ministry uh, all around Jerusalem and all around uh, Israel. And uh, somewhere along the way, Mary Magdalene came. Mary Magdalene came along with a whole bunch of others as Jesus was healing all these people and casting out demons and healing the sick. Mary Magdalene came and, it, and we're told uh, in other places that he cast seven demons out of her. That this was a woman in deep darkness, with, tormented. And when that happened, she became not just one of the crowds who was healed by Jesus and touched by Jesus and impacted by Jesus, but her life was transformed. She'd been in this place of of deep, deep darkness. And she'd been set free from that. And now Mary Magdalene followed him everywhere. She may have been a woman of means. It it seems that she might have been one of these women that was contributing and and, uh, providing for the needs of Jesus and the disciples as they were traveling around. And she just followed Him and was so impacted by this man who had changed her life. And now, everything was falling apart again. I mean, can you imagine being in this place of of deep darkness and then you find somebody who is helpful, who's kind, who loves you, who sets you free from that deep darkness and then they're gone again? They abandon you and leave you? I mean, she had, had followed him and rejoiced with him and provided for him and listened to his teachings and then she's watched as he was crucified. And she followed along from a a distance to to see where they would lay him so that she could come back and anoint him with perfumes and things that she was going to prepare for that. They had to wait because of the Sabbath day was the day of rest, but, but she observed along with a couple of other women where Jesus was laid and then prepared so that she could come back and take care of the body. And she didn't know how she was going to get in because that stone was huge. 
that was closing up the, the tomb. But somehow she was going to get in there so that she could properly take care of this person who had taken care of her. And honor him in his death. And she gets there and the tomb is empty. And she's going, no! It's bad enough that he was gone, but now he's gone and gone. So she goes running to the disciples and says, I don't know where he is. I don't even know where the body is anymore. I watched them, him die. I watched them take him down. I watched them bring him and put him in the tomb. I knew where the tomb was. I knew where it was. And I went and he's gone. And the disciples went, what? Peter and John come running. They look in. Yeah, he's gone. And they walk away again. And Mary's just left standing there outside the tomb weeping. Jesus is gone. Who's going to take care of her? Where is her hope now? Are these disciples going to take care of her? Are they going to provide her hope? Is she going to slip back into the darkness? There's just all this fear and discouragement for her. And so verse 11 of John chapter 20 says, But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary, and she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and to your God. And Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And that he had said these things to her. What a, an amazing encounter with the risen Savior. Here was this woman who had been in this place of deep darkness and great discouragement, who had been set free by Jesus and then followed Him and loved Him and was loved by Him. And now, after His death, He has risen again from the dead. And what does He tell her? It just it, I, I love that this... That while she's weeping, the angels are going, Mary, why are you weeping? Because I don't know where my Savior is. I don't know where the Lord is. And she turns and she sees Jesus and for whatever reason doesn't recognize him yet. And, and he says, why are you weeping? And she says, because I don't know where my Lord is. 
And I can just see the delight on his face and the delight on her face as she recognizes him. And he says, Mary, I'm right here. I'm right here. Don't you remember? Don't you remember when I told you before what would happen? That we would go to Jerusalem and I would be betrayed and handed over and I would be crucified? And then three days later, I would rise again from the dead. Don't you remember? Don't you remember the the promises that I would never leave you or forsake you? But how I said I had to go to my father. And in fact, it would be better for you if I left. So don't cling to me even now. Here I am. Here I am. But don't cling to me even now because I have to ascend to my father. In in John uh, chapter... 16, Jesus said, I I do not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you, but now I'm going to him who sent me. And none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go... I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. And concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. What a great promise. Jesus had told them this beforehand when he was telling them, look, I'm going to have to go away for a little while and you won't see me. What he was telling them is, here's what's going to happen. When I go to my Father, then you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. I'm I'm never going to be all the way gone from you. I've been here physically present with you, but the Holy Spirit will dwell inside you so you will never be alone. And now as he's telling Mary... Right outside the tomb, she's been weeping because she doesn't know where he is. She's all alone. He's gone. And he's saying, Mary, you don't have to cling to me now. You don't have to cling to me now. I'm going to go to my Father. And remember what happens when I go to my Father? The Holy Spirit is going to come. And the Holy Spirit is going to be with you. And you will never be alone again. What a great comfort. What a great hope for someone who has been in deep darkness and, and maybe you have been in that place. You've been in that place or you're, you are in that place of just great darkness and discouragement and you need a risen Savior who will give you the Holy Spirit to reassure you and remind you that you have a great hope in heaven and you will never be alone. In fact, as he had been reminding them of these things earlier in John chapter 14, at the beginning of, of John chapter 14, he said to them, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God and believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go, uh, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am going, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And and Jesus is is telling his disciples this, and Thomas is going, wait, time out, Uh, you're leaving, and you said that you'll come back and you'll show us where to go, but we don't know where you're going, so could you just explain that part a little bit more clearly? And Jesus goes, no, you do know. You do know where I'm going. I'm going to be with my Father, just like I said. And I will come back because I'm preparing a place for you that you can always be with me. But you know how sometimes news sounds a little too good to be true? And so even though this promise was given beforehand and he said all of these things were going to happen, then afterwards, when Jesus has died and he rises again from the dead, sometimes you hear about that and go, yeah, that, it's a little too good to be true. I'm one of those kinds of people that's kind of skeptical about stuff. And I'm just always waiting for what's the catch. Hey, would you like this free? Uh-huh. Yeah. This free. What's the catch? Then afterwards you're going to charge me $30 a month for the rest of my life and I won't be able to uh, cancel this subscription. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love free stuff. No, thank you. They come and they knock on your door and they tell you about, hey, would you like to try out this? Nope. No, I don't. It's a really great, uh uh-huh, I'm sure it is. No. But it's free trial. Nope. No. Not for me. I'm not biting. I'm not buying it. And Thomas is one of those kinds of people. So in John chapter 20, it says uh, in verse 19, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, The doors being locked where the disciples were, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. Then when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold the forgiveness from any, it is withheld. And then verse 24. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see his hands and the marks of the nails and I place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Yeah, I get Thomas. Yeah, I know. All of you saw it. And he showed you his hands and he showed you his side. But until I see it, I am not going to believe it. I will never believe it until I have put my hand in it. I not just see it, but until I put my hand in those holes, I am not going to believe that this is Jesus risen from the dead. This is too good to be true. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them this time. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands 
and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Here's Thomas. He's skeptical of this whole thing. He says, I will not believe until I put my hands and my fingers in those holes. I am not going to believe that it's Jesus. And Jesus shows up and goes, Thomas, here I am. Here I am. And immediately, Thomas declares, my Lord and my God, it's true. It's true. You are the Savior risen from the dead. You are the Lord. You are the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Chosen One who has come to restore all things. And just like you said you would do it, you have done it. And Jesus goes, yes. It's what I've been saying. And you had to see it to believe it. But blessed are those who believe and aren't going to see it. But just based on your testimony. And some of us who are skeptical, who, who hear this kind of thing and go, that sounds so good. A Savior who will set me free? A Savior who will make me right with God? I just, I just have trouble believing that. And Thomas was skeptical like that. The disciples were skeptical. They didn't understand until Jesus revealed Himself. And Jesus gives them an assurance for their doubt. And now we have all of these manuscripts and all of these um, witnesses so that John is, is telling us, look, I wrote this down so that you would believe. So that you would hear it. So that you would believe. So that you could be assured that we were eyewitnesses to these things. That's what Peter says later on. Look, I didn't make this stuff up. We were eyewitnesses to these things. And we wrote it down so that you could believe and understand and hear our witness. And one of the things that I have found is that when we are truly seeking God... There He is. When we are truly seeking Him, I'm going, could this be real? That the more you study, the more the evidence mounts up and you go, I, yeah. And the more you press in, the more He assures you of your doubt. So that even when the, the, um, you remember that guy who brought his son and said, can, can you heal my son? And Jesus said, well, yeah, for anybody who believes, I can. And the father goes, I believe, but help my unbelief. That, that part of me that's having trouble believing, can you help my unbelief? And Jesus delights in that. To bring assurance of his presence, to bring assurance of who he is, he delights in that. And there are people who are afraid. They're afraid to press into this. They're, they're afraid to, to study on it and, and to read it because they're, what they're afraid of is that, yep, it's going to turn out to be too good to be true. Don't, you don't have to be afraid. 
Because when we are seeking Him, Jesus assures us. And then we move from there to this final scene. In John chapter 21... And in John chapter 21, the disciples have now uh, seen Jesus and, and have, have seen that, but, but sometimes um, we still need to be restored. We, we need a little bit more. And, and the, the disciples are, are still trying to figure out what are they going to do next. Like they, They've been convinced that Jesus has risen again from the dead, but they don't really know what's next for them. And you remember how they all were there in the, that upper room and, and saying, I'm not going to deny you though, but it won't be me, right? It's not going to be me. And then Jesus said, yeah, actually, um, you're going you're gonna to abandon me. I mean, you, one of you is going to betray me, but you're all going to abandon me. And the disciples went, but, but not me. I mean, even if everybody else falls away, I'm going to stay with you till the very end. If, even if I have to die with you, I will be with you. All those disciples were saying the same thing. I mean, Peter gets a bad rap because we remember him saying it the most, just so uh, emphatically. Even if I must die with you, I will never betray you. I will never deny you. I will never abandon you to the death. And then along come the soldiers to take Jesus away. And they're ready to do battle and go to the death. And Jesus goes, no guys, that's not how this is going to go. And so they flee. They all just flee. I mean, Peter hangs in for a little bit longer, longer than the others. He trails behind and, and finds himself nearby as he's watching the trial happen. But then he also distances himself. So they're like, hey, you were with Jesus. Nope, I wasn't. And they're like, no, we saw you. You were in the garden. You were swinging a sword, I'm pretty sure. You were with Jesus. Nope, I wasn't. But your accent gives you away. Like, you know somebody from Texas coming up here? And you're like, you're with them. No. I'm not with them. Yeah, you're from Texas just like them. No, y'all, I ain't. <laughs> That's what's going on with Peter. His, his accent is giving him away. But he's emphatic. Nope, absolutely not. And then that rooster crows and he goes, oh. and he weeps. And now Jesus is back and Peter's going, but I felt so bad. I was so convinced that I was going to be there to the end and I so was so emphatic that I was going to be Jesus' right hand man and I failed. Jesus told me ahead of time I was going to and I totally blew it. And so they're out, and the disciples are like, what do you want to do? And Peter goes, let's go fishing. The only thing I'm good at is fishing. And so they go out in the boat, and it turns out they're not so good at fishing either. Because they caught no fish all night long. 
Net in the water, pull it up, nothing. Net in the water, pull it up, nothing. Net in the water, pull it up, nothing. All night long. Until suddenly somebody coming on the, the seashore goes, Hey children, do you catch any fish? No. Try putting the net on the other side of the boat. Okay, stranger, we'll take the net. No fish. Fish! And John turns to Peter and goes, That's the Lord. That's a, that's the, it was a joke. <laughs> that's the Lord. And Peter, Peter goes, Oh! Puts on his coat, jumps in the water, swims to shore. I don't know why he needed his coat first, but <laughs> that's what it says happened. Swims to shore, and there's Jesus. Verse 8, the other disciples came in the boat dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far off from the land, but only about a hundred yards off. When they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you've caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. And this was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. So here comes Peter. Just like that first time when Jesus calls to them and says, Hey, have you caught any fish? Come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Just like that last time that he broke bread with them, now they're sitting for breakfast and he's breaking bread with them. Just like that night that he uh, denied Jesus, he was standing and warming himself by a charcoal fire, there he is right now warming himself by a charcoal fire, having breakfast with Jesus. And when they had finished breakfast, verse 15, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. And then he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to them, this third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you that when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But you are, when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you to where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Peter, do you love me? Peter's going, yeah, Lord, I love you. I'm so sorry, but I, I do love you. Peter, do you love me? 
Yes, Lord. Yes, I love you. Peter, do you really love me? And that third time, just like three denials, surely you were with him. Nope, I don't know him. You had to have been with him. I, nope, wasn't. I'm not, I don't even know what you're talking about. You have to have known him. You're from the same town. I do not know the man. Three denials. Now three confessions. Lord, you know everything. And you know that I love you. And he says, Peter, just like you said you would be with me to death, you're going to have the same kind of death as I had. And it's not going to be pleasant. But follow me. There are times when when we've been in that place of darkness and then we've been restored and we have that hope. There are times when it just seems too good to be true and we have trouble believing and we have these doubts that need to be assured, but sometimes we just feel like big, fat failures. And we need to be reinstated. Reconciled. And that's what Jesus provides. This risen Savior says, look, I know. I know. I know you failed. But do you love me? Then follow me. If you love me, then follow me. And I want you to know that whether you are in one of those places or, or somewhere else, that... Jesus is calling you to follow him. And what an amazing risen Savior we have. Who first died on the cross for our sins so that we could be reconciled with God. But then comes and provides for us exactly the kind of hope and reassurance and restoration that we need. Because that is the kind of God that he is. And John tells us in, at the end of chapter 20, right after Thomas's confession, my Lord and my God. In John chapter 20 verse 30 it says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in His name. That's why these things were written for us. John says, you wouldn't even believe all of the stuff that I saw while I walked with Jesus. If I wrote down all of the stories that I know about Jesus, I don't even know that there are enough books in all the world to write down all the stories that I have about Jesus. But I wrote these ones down so that you could believe that Jesus is that chosen one of God, the Son of God, and that when you believe, you might have life in His name. 
And so my invitation to you this morning is that you can rejoice in that with us. Whether you have uh, believed this for most of your life, and you're just rejoicing this morning, or you have believed it, but have felt like you have failed the Lord, you, like you did believe, but then you failed and you don't know, could you be restored? Or whether you've never believed this before and you're just wondering, is this too good to be true? I invite you to come and see and believe all that Jesus has done and follow Him. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we, we are grateful to have a Savior who loves us so much that He would die for us. That He would die on the cross for our sin to take the punishment that we deserved. That He would do this willingly and lovingly even while being abandoned by His closest friends. And so, Lord, I ask now for those who are here. Those who are in a place of darkness and who are struggling. Those who are confused and doubting. Those who feel like they have failed and need to be restored. Lord, I pray that you would do that. And I pray that the more that they press in and the more that they read and the more that they delight and praise you, the more you would fill them with the assurance of your presence through the Holy Spirit that they might be filled with your love. And we pray this in your name. Amen.